Mikhail Sebastian loves specialty coffee. He's a barista and a cafe manager. And as you would expect, he doesn't think much of McDonald's coffee. Well, just burned, burned dark roast coffee. And that's, I mean, I didn't use milk and sugar, but it's just coffee was nasty. Yeah. Mikhail doesn't want to drink the coffee from McDonald's, but he really doesn't have a choice. Because McDonald's had a free Wi-Fi and I brought my laptop. Then I spent like eight hours every day in McDonald's on the computer. And, um, and then when McDonald's was about to close, I was just going back home. Mikhail is on the computer because he's sending emails to people around the world to help him. So, because I just didn't want to be on that island. It just, it wasn't for me. I felt like I was in the completely different world. This McDonald's is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. On the tiny island of American Samoa. And Mikhail is stuck there. He can't get off. And then I was stranded in the island that I didn't even plan to go to live there. The American Samoans aren't stopping him from leaving. They want him off the island too, but they can't get rid of him. I mean, there are boats and there are planes, but no one is going to let him on board. And that's kind of the reason why he's stuck there in the first place. He was working as a barista in LA in 2011, and he went to American Samoa for a couple of days, you know, to check it out. But when the time came to get back on his flight to LA, things got kind of weird. Hawaiian Airlines looked at my passport and they didn't know what to do with this passport. And they called the supervisor. The supervisor contacted the U.S. Department of Homeland Security in Honolulu. And the response they got that I wasn't allowed to board the flight. Mikhail was not allowed back on his flight because he is stateless. As in, no country in the world recognizes him as one of their citizens. Statelessness affects millions of people and up to thousands, possibly even tens of thousands, in the coffee world. And Mikhail's case, you know, getting stuck in American Samoa, is one of the most exceptional cases of statelessness in America. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, you know... This is David Balawate, one of the world's best lawyers on statelessness. There, there, is no, there has been nothing in my career quite like this case. So how exactly did Mikhail get stuck on this island? Who else is stateless in the coffee industry? I'm James Harper. And this is Filter Stories. The untold stories hidden in your cup of coffee. So, first things first. How did Mikhail become stateless? Well, Mikhail was born in the former USSR. But as the USSR is disintegrating, he and his family get caught on the wrong side of a war between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Um, I, heard, I read somewhere that a member of your family was murdered. My aunt. And when she was going home, a bunch of people apparently, they surrounded her and they just used the stones to murder her and she died. And, uh, and that's when my parents were 
pushing us to leave the Azerbaijan quickly. Mikhail and his family eventually end up in Turkmenistan. Here, his family feels safe from the violence. But not Mikhail, because he has something new to fear. Being homosexual, it was a taboo, and it was not accepted openly at all. And if parents going to find out that they might going to kick you out from the house and any of you might going to end up in jail or you're going to be beaten up or killed. So it's kind of either one. So Mikhail is now in his early 20s. He's got a job as an English translator in Turkmenistan. And then he gets a break. He's asked to visit America and translate for a government minister who's getting surgery in Texas. So Mikhail lands in Texas. And all the while, he's thinking to himself, you know, it took a mountain of paperwork to get me out of Turkmenistan in the first place. And it could be years before I get another chance to leave. So I woke up in the morning and I just look at the window and I decided that I am not going to get on that plane back home. So Mikhail misses his flight back to Turkmenistan. And now he's in America illegally. He files for asylum and he ends up in front of an immigration judge. But the judge rejects his case. Mikhail is denied asylum and he's ordered to return back to Turkmenistan. This is when things go very badly wrong for Mikhail. Mikhail has one passport, a USSR passport. And now we're in the mid-90s. The USSR doesn't exist. Mikhail tries to get citizenship with Armenia, Turkmenistan, Azerbaijan, Russia. But for different technical reasons, he doesn't meet the requirements for any of these countries. So Mikhail is now officially stateless. I first heard about Mikhail's case when he emailed our office and said, I'm stuck in American Samoa. I'm writing you from McDonald's Wi-Fi. Um... I can't get from the United States back to the United States. Um, please help me out. This is Lindsay Jenkins, a case officer for the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. I hopped on an Amtrak to meet her because I wanted to know more about statelessness and where it shows up in the coffee industry. And this matters to us coffee drinkers because there is a good chance that you have enjoyed a coffee that was picked or brewed by a stateless person. And statelessness, to give people an idea, it's almost like an invisible curse because everyone around you has statehood mm -hmm. and you don't. But what does that mean in terms of like day to day? People who are stateless face severe vulnerabilities to exploitation. You know, they're oftentimes living in the shadows. They don't have work authorization. They don't have an identity document. Coffee production and exploitation have gone hand in hand for most of coffee's history. And statelessness makes the situation even worse. Here's a hypothetical example. In the Dominican Republic, thousands, possibly tens of thousands, of stateless people of Haitian descent pick coffee. Now, the Dominican farm owner might demand that his pickers not take any breaks, despite working 12 hours under a hot tropical sun. Now, there could be a law that makes this illegal in the Dominican Republic, but that law might only apply to people who have a nationality. Stateless people are on their own. 
Turning back to Mikhail. After the US immigration judge rejects his asylum case, Mikhail is apprehended by immigration authorities and spends six months in a detention center. And this is all too common for people who are stateless. The government is trying to remove you somewhere, and so they'll detain you and hold you while they're trying to find a country to accept you, but you're not a citizen of any country in the world, so no one wants to accept you. The US immigration authorities eventually release Mikhail because they just don't know what to do with him. And they cut him a bit of slack. They offer him a legal work permit. So Mikhail then lives in Texas for over a decade working as a travel agent. And it's here that he discovers one of his biggest passions. I love travel. The places that I was really intrigued was like Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, San Marino. Why? Well, because there's something unique about them. You know, like they're small, they hardly know, nobody goes there. Mikhail catches the travel bug. He zips across America, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Alaska. But there are limits to how far he can travel. He may never leave the USA. If he does, he will trigger his deportation order and the US will not let him back in. And because he can't leave and come back, Mikhail doesn't get a chance to see his family year after year after year. For all this time you were in America, you didn't have a chance to go back to see your mother. Yeah. So when you, when you left in 1995, when, 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 when was the last time you saw her? I haven't seen her since I left Soviet Union. Uh, your fa- father? My father died. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't know that he died because I, I have not been told before, but um, I don't even say it. I don't talk about it. Okay. That's one of the hard things about being stateless is that disconnect with family. Yeah, completely. Eventually, Mikhail moves to Los Angeles. And it's here that he stumbles across the second love of his life. Coffee, specifically African coffee. So tell me about the, the first cup of coffee you had, which, which, made you, which made you change your perception towards coffee. Yeah, the first cup of coffee was in Los Angeles, California. One day they gave me to try coffee from Ethiopia. And when I tried it, it tasted like what we call in Russian, compote. Wait, you take all the berries and then fruits that you can imagine of, and you boil them in the water and you make like this nice summer drink. Mikhail falls so in love with this cafe, he starts to work there too. And this is not uncommon for stateless people. Many will gravitate towards the hospitality sector because unlike large corporations, many hospitality jobs don't require background checks and other formal paperwork. And now, despite being stateless, Mikhail's life is kind of falling into place. I love what I was doing, and uh, I had friends, I have great customers. He gets trained by Charles Babinski, a US barista champion, and he even allows himself to dream of owning his own cafe. I would love uh, just, if I could, I just want to have a coffee shop that actually will be serving only African coffees here. Yeah. 
So Mikhail's been working flat out in this cafe for over a year, and it's finally time for a break. And also a chance for him to indulge in his passion for traveling to tiny, faraway places. It was a new year coming up. When I look at the map, and I saw little dot dots about American Samoa, somewhere in South Pacific. And South Pacific, I, I never been there, so I wanted kind of like to explore. Now, Mikau knows that American Samoa is a U.S. territory, which is a different thing from a U.S. state. So to be on the safe side, he visits his immigration officer and they tell him, yeah, you can visit, but you have to get a letter from the American Samoan Attorney General's office. So Mikhail applies for the letter and he gets it. And soon after, he buys himself a plane ticket, packs some sunscreen, and just before New Year's, he lands in Pago Pago, the capital of American Samoa. What were your first impressions of American Samoa? Samoa, it's not a touristic place. This whole thing turns out to be a, an underwhelming experience for Mikhail. American Samoa is not the sort of island paradise where you might sunbathe on glistening sand with a pina colada in hand. It's more of a steep, jagged rock piercing through the ocean. Mikhail learns this the hard way. But anyway, after four days... He heads to the airport to get back to his job in LA. And we know what happens next. How did you feel? Um, I felt devastated a bit. Well, because, I mean, I couldn't go back. And I had the apartment, I had uh, my belongings, and I had my job. <laughs> it, it feels like your entire life just all of a sudden just pressed the stop button. Well, it did. After Mikhail is refused on the flight, he goes to the American Samoan Attorney General's office to get some help. And that's where he meets Valerie. Valerie is a lawyer working for the Attorney General, and she cannot believe what has washed up on her desk. He was like a, a coconut floating in the vast, vast ocean. You'll be out on a boat like two, three hours out or something like that on a boat, and all of a sudden you see a coconut. It's just like no one would ever find it. For starters, she cannot understand why Mikhail or any tourist would visit the island in the first place. There are no tourists in Samoa, American Samoa. Mikhail was the only tourist I had met. Does he? But was, is it a beautiful country? I mean, can you understand it from, an, you know, he wanted to see a beautiful tropical island? Yeah, but he's not a hiker, I don't think. I don't think he's a, he doesn't suntan, he doesn't swim, he doesn't fish. And Mikhail, I think, had enough money for, let's just say, $50 on him. So he had no money traveling across the world for no purpose to see nobody and to do nothing. Unless, unless he can tell you otherwise. I mean, maybe I'm misunderstanding the situation. Mikhail has so little money, he can't afford another night on the island. So Valerie finds some government money to put him up with a local family. As Valerie digs into Mikhail's case, she discovers he made a serious blunder. For one day, I flew to Western Samoa. It was Polynesian Airlines, small little plane. It's like 20 minutes wide. Like a little propeller plane? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't realize at that time that Western Samoa is not part of American Samoa. It was an independent nation. So in a nutshell, 
Mikhail hopped on a plane to Samoa, as in the country of Samoa, for a day or so before heading back to American Samoa, US territory again. But because he left American Samoa and went to Western Samoa, a different country, he executed his deportation order. And even despite being back on US territory in American Samoa, from a legal standpoint, the US authorities say he has self-deported. Now, it's easy to blame Mikhail for this mistake, but imagine you're there, you're walking up and down the rugged beaches of American Samoa, and everyone tells you, hey, what are you doing here? You should be over in Western Samoa. Their beaches, they're like postcards. So, you know, you just hop across, uh, they don't ask for your passport. It's so easy, it's like taking the Staten Island Ferry. And also, let's rewind even further. Remember that letter from the American Samoan Attorney General's office? That was a mistake. They confused his unusual work permit papers to be green card papers. If they'd done their job properly, Mikhail would never have been given permission to visit. Now, you might be thinking, why doesn't Mikhail just stay in American Samoa and get a job? You can never, ever obtain U.S. national status. Ever. You could be there 50 years. You cannot become a U.S. national. So he's now stuck in a place where he will never be able to own land, will never be able to vote, and will never be able to become a legitimized resident, ever. Valerie, you know, the lawyer living in American Samoa, is now doing everything she can to get Mikhail off this island. She tries to get the ear of different US agencies and tell them, listen, there's been a mistake. Just let him back in. I wrote to everybody and I pled my case. No one lifted a pinky to do anything. And everybody said, we cannot help an illegal person in the States who self-deports. Oh, oh no. It was like one of those growing momentum of oh, just how bad it was. Weeks go by and Mikhail gets more and more restless. And then, so he was coming in daily. It would be the equivalent of someone going into a restaurant and going into the kitchen area and standing next to the cook saying, is it ready? Is it ready? Now is it ready? Is it ready now? Like that. So it was like, no, it's not ready. <laughs> Go sit at your house. And soon, Mikhail's frantic desperation morphs into depression. So the daily life, he did not take advantage. It wasn't like he said, okay, well, I'm going to be here. I might as well go and volunteer. And again, I think this is part of the just psychology of how awful it's, it's almost like when you're unemployed, you often sit around and you gain weight and your skin's crappy and you're because you're unemployed. It's really not the time to be out hiking and bowling and partying with your friends. You're depressed. There are other stateless people in the coffee world who feel just as hopeless and unwanted as Mikhail feels. Take Mohammed. He's a stateless person living in Côte d'Ivoire. UNHCR profiled his story in 2015. He was born in neighboring Burkina Faso, but his parents died when he was very young and his uncle brought him to Côte d'Ivoire, where he now lives. And Mohammed grows coffee in his village. And to sell his coffee, he travels to neighboring towns. But that's where policemen and military people will often stop him, and they will discover that he has no identity papers. That's when they demand very expensive bribes to let him go. 
This is so stressful and expensive for Muhammad that he has resigned himself to never leaving his village for the rest of his life. Back on the island, Mikhail begins pulling it together. He stops nagging Valerie and begins spending up to eight hours a day at his local McDonald's. Breathing in the aroma of deep fried potatoes, Mikhail sends out Facebook messages, he tweets, he blogs, he talks to news agencies. The McDonald's Wi-Fi carries his SOS signal across the ocean. 39-year-old Mikhail Sebastian was born in the former Soviet Union. He even bags a slot on NPR. I come to McDonald's every day from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. because that's the only place I can use the Wi-Fi. Do you have any sense of when or whether, in fact, you will ever be allowed to return to the U.S.? I, 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 I hope that the situation will be resolved because um, I lived 16 years in the United States um, and the United States is the only home and country I know and... Um, I don't have any other place to go. I really don't. My job, my friends, I, I started there. I integrated within American society and assimilated. And I don't have any other consulate or embassy to turn around and look for protection who will be able to advocate on my behalf but the United States. Valerie has been working on Mikhail's case for months. And then she spots something over on the horizon. So when I had exhausted every possible office, we started looking then at the possibility of reopening his asylum. And now the stakes are higher than they have ever been. We can't screw this up. If we screw this up, you're done. Right? If we petition to reopen your asylum case and it doesn't get granted on any of these grounds, we're done. So it has to be done by someone who's done this 1,500 times. It just has to be. So my name is David Balawarte. And this person turns out to be the statelessness lawyer that we heard from at the beginning. As this is all going on, Mikau discovers that there are spaces within American Samoa that he is no longer welcome in. I guess McDonald's got mad at me because I was using free Wi-Fi all the time and, and I was there every day for so many hours. Mm-hmm. They decided to close all outlets. The, the power outlets? Yes. Mikhail is forced out of his air-conditioned cocoon and now spends more time suffering outside. But it was hot, humid, which is like really killed me. And meanwhile... David Baluarte, his new lawyer, is losing his hair trying to figure out his case. For example, it's not even clear to David which US agency is in charge of reviewing Mikhail's case in the first place. David goes back and forth between the Department of Justice. They would say, no, 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 no. We're not the right ones to send this case to. And citizenship and immigration. And they say, no, 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 no. He has a prior application. You need to go over the Department of Justice. And so we spent months and months and months back and forth, and no one would take jurisdiction over the case. <laughs> Mikhail was born in the former Soviet Union. And in the meantime, UNHCR flies a film crew to American Samoa to capture Mikhail's life and use his predicament to raise awareness of statelessness in the USA. 
And this brings a ray of light into Mikhail's life. I asked them if they can bring me some coffee from uh, coffee shops. How did that feel? It felt really good. They brought me Kenya, and as soon as I started grinding and brewing, and the smell of those flavors of blueberry, blackberry, and uh, I was really excited. It was like a taste of a taste of being free. In the UNHCR video, Mikhail's hands grip the metal fence surrounding the airport as he watches planes take off for mainland America. Well, it was a taste of free, but then I went to the airport with them and I saw them boarding the flight and uh, I was like kind of like upset, you know, like I wasn't able to get on that flight, but they, they were leaving, so. Statelessness takes all human away from you and it demonizes you a lot. And you start thinking about so crazy stuff. And I was thinking about suicide um, on many occasions, but something, something stopped me. As time goes on, David discovers a compelling argument that might boost Mikhail's chances of claiming asylum. Over the years, while Mikhail was in the United States, uh, he came out um, as a gay man, and the it, it became clear, sort of years later, that you know if he were to apply for asylum based on uh, harm that he would suffer, you know, in relation to his sexual orientation, that that would probably be a compelling asylum case. David wins the case. Mikhail is finally allowed back to mainland America. Do you remember the day when you got the response, the positive response? I do remember the tremendous relief that I felt <laughs> after, you know, at that point it had been years. As a lawyer, I was also quite frustrated <laughs> by that point. So how did it feel getting on that flight back to US mainland? It was good. It was just a sense of finally getting your freedom back. Mikhail lands back in LA and he heads to the cafe where he used to work over a year ago. It finally felt that I'm drinking the best cup of coffee that I missed for so many years. What, what were the flavors? When I tried Ethiopia, which back to go to Ethiopia, it was more like floral. It was like a bouquet of flowers. And I felt finally that I didn't lose my senses of the tastings. <laughs> uh, you, you were afraid that you were so out of practice that you wouldn't be able to perceive yeah, the flavors. I was drinking all this crap coffee in McDonald's. I was thinking that when I'm gonna get there, I'm gonna have a problem identifying flavors. But despite getting his asylum case approved, Mikhail's journey still has a long way to go. Here's Lindsay again from UNHCR. Mikhail is still not a citizen of any country at this point. Um, so he's still stateless right now, today. And not just Mikhail. The list of stateless people in coffee includes the Hill Tribe people in Northern Thailand who grow Arabica coffee, indigenous Central Americans, some of whom may have been born in Panama but migrated to Costa Rica to work the coffee fields, even ethnically Russian coffee shop owners in Latvia and Estonia. Which is why 
maybe your coffee tomorrow morning will have been grown, picked, or brewed by a stateless person. Turning back to Mikhail, despite being stateless, Mikhail has managed to get a refugee travel document. It allows him to travel to different countries while still being allowed back into the United States. It is, though, a huge pain for him because it's expensive and he has to apply for a new one every single year. And I got it. And then my first trip was to Ethiopia. The reason why Ethiopia is because I started with the coffee because of Ethiopia. And Ethiopia is considered the birthplace of coffee. So I really want to go to see this place and how they produce this incredible, beautiful coffee. How, how did it feel being abroad? I felt great. <laughs> I had the tears and that because it was my first international flight and was with Ethiopian Airlines from Washington and plus I was going to the birthplace of coffee. So that was kind of, for me, was very special. These days, Mikhail manages a cafe in Martha's Vineyard and he spends the winter months traveling the world visiting small little places that grow coffee. He is hoping he will get the papers soon to become a US citizen and so he can live a life free from the curse of statelessness. So thank you for listening to the story. I really want to thank Mikhail for opening up emotionally about this story. He's been suffering the effects of statelessness for almost half his life. And so I really appreciate him taking the time to, to revisit the difficult moments of his life again so that the message could be broadcast to a wider audience, you know, the coffee community. I am very soon about to set foot in El Salvador for about six weeks in Central America where I plan to go deeper into the darker corners of the coffee industry and discover what's really going on here. What's the truth? Expect more episodes like Sophia coming out in the future. If you like the show and you'd like to help me spread the word to more people, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, Filter Stories is this teeny tiny show in a sea filled with these giant marketing monsters. And every review on Apple Podcasts goes such a long way. So thank you so much. I want to give two quick thanks here. A big thanks to Dom Edgley, who's a production whiz that made everything in this episode sound super slick and smooth. If you need sound work, hire him out. Go to domedgleysound.com. And a big thanks also to the team at headquarters. They created the Filter Stories logo. And if you need any branding or packaging design stuff, check out headquarters.studio too. You can follow my travels through Central America by following Filter Stories on Instagram. And don't forget, in the episode description, you'll see a link to the Filter Stories newsletter. Once a month, you'll get tips on making better coffee at home and my personal recommendations to other great podcasts. Thanks so much and until next time. <laughs>